Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Let's get ready to rumble! Information jam-packed show today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Spencer. That's Aaron Bree in the dark studio there. AB, what's going on? Dark? I got the lights on. That's right. It's not not that dark. Whatever. Um, It is a little dungeony in here, but it's also just gloomy and dark outside in Detroit today. Uh, it's, it's gloomy in the markets too, dare I say, AB. My question for you is, are you buying the dip or are you selling the rip? That is my, or are you doing both or neither? Um, yeah. So Spencer, I'm, I'm glad you asked. So yesterday I did get in and buy a little, you know, a few dips out there. Oh, yeah? um, you can well, say tell, it. Tell us what you bought. Um, okay. So yesterday I bought some shares of ticker INDA. You might know this one, Spencer. You bought the Indian ETF? Indian? I did. Wow. Oh, man. I, I, I got to hear this. Yeah. So essentially, um, you know, I think with like so much fear surrounding everything in China, um, a lot of investors are going to look for other emerging markets to dip their fingers into. Um, and actually, it's a, it's a little known fact that India's economy has actually been growing at a faster um, rate than China's over the past couple of years. Not like not that the economy is bigger than China's, but that it's growing faster. So like yeah, it's pr- projected that India's economy is going to, you know, 10x over the next 10 years versus China's like 5x or whatever the numbers are. I got so I, I like the in India trade right now, and I just found this as like an easy way to kind of dip my toes into it. I didn't um, enter like a huge position of this or anything. I think I bought about five shares, so about $250 worth. Yeah. Wait, I, I want to throw you under the bus here. Are there any companies in this ETF that you or I or anyone else ha- ha- would have heard of? Um, so I did look at the holdings on ETF, uh, and there's one company that i'd heard about before let me figure out which one it was um but no i don't i don't think any big names that like people really trade here a lot yeah is this a what is this for you is this a trade this a short-term thing no not at all no i'm just gonna buy this and hold it like i i think that um you know i I think india's economy like i said is gonna keep growing over the next five ten years or so so that's what i'm looking at i'm looking at just long term nice AB going with the a little bit obscure ETF, INDA, liking it, liking it. What else did you buy yesterday? Um, the, I think that was the only stock that I purchased yesterday for the you know first time. I have been watching a couple other stocks that are just in my holdings. Um, Fubo, I have a pretty big uh, stake. No, I don't have a big stake in Fubo, like the company. My portfolio is uh, you know heavily weighted toward Fubo right now. Um, so Fubo actually dipped today at one point down more than 3% uh, since then at about oh an hour ago at 11. It's kind of been ripping up. So um, Fubo is coming back up. And I'm waiting, Spencer, to see 
Um, looking at the chart, it looks like we are in a little like downtrend on Fubo. And if we continue this downtrend down to around the $16 range where there's previous support, I'm going to buy more shares to kind of average my cost down. Hmm. Never, you're, you're never frowning. You're averaging down. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I am, um, you know, going to be, I'm going to persevere and I'm not going to let this trade beat me. No. I am go- <laughs> all right, dude, you dude, you know what you do, you, you, we can all only control. We can control. I can't control you. You do you, man. I hope it works out for you. I, that is a risky strategy, but I hope it works out for you. I mean, look, I, I, I've said it before that I originally invested in Fubo, uh, you know, with very high hopes. Since then, my hopes have dampered a little bit. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm just like, okay, I don't want this stock in my portfolio anymore and completely shedding all my shares. So that's why I'm going to, uh, you know, continue to try this trade out until I'm profitable. And if, if, a few months from now, Spencer, I'm still talking. I'm in the red on Fubo. Then you can tell me it's time to to say goodbye. Fair enough. Fair to, enough. to break up completely. Right. Okay. So real quick, before we keep going, a couple of housekeeping items. Housekeeping item number one. Go ahead and smash that like button for us, please. And thank you. Housekeeping item number two. Our next event is actually tomorrow. There's a... Uh, graphic up on the bottom right of the screen there go to bzevcon bzevcon.com to uh see who will be presenting speaking tomorrow at the benzinga electric vehicle conference it'll be all day right here on youtube nine to five uh xpong will be there ticker xpev gm will be there archimoto will be there ticker fuv so uh big names will be there tomorrow uh, and we were so excited uh, for the EV stuff that we actually couldn't wait. And we got an EV guest on the Power Hour today coming up in a couple of minutes here, actually. We're going to have the Chief Revenue Officer of IDenomics, uh, Kristen Helsel, ticker IDEX. That'll be at 12.15. That'll be followed by Richard McPherson, the CEO of uh, ME2C Environmental at 12.30. We're going to talk uh, power and... Uh, yeah, uh, how, how we get our power in this country at 1230. And then 12.45, we're going to talk with a former hedge fund manager who is doing what I think he's, what we all should do is uh, make a lot of money and then devote all his time to, to a good cause. Uh, Mead Wells, he's the chairman and co-founder of A Leg to Stand On, um, was a, uh, used to run a hedge fund, Octagon Asset Management, and uh, we're going to talk to Mead, Mead about that. But that's the dream right there, right? Make a lot of money. And then devote all your time to uh, some good cause. Of yeah, your- look, basically, you got two options right now out there. You can make a lot of money and then try to, uh, you know, go to space or get in a little space race with your, you know, other ultra rich arch nemesis counterpart. Or you can use that money, uh, you know, in a very productive way like getting prosthetics for kids that need them i know which one i would choose and it's the latter and, and that's why we're bringing meadwells on to talk to him yeah um and yeah so very very beautiful what he's doing there steve cohen in the chat is asking what did i buy it for and what do you want to sell it at so my average cost uh for fubo is 29 dollars and 76 cents um i'm currently down on the position about 13 percent right now 
Um, so definitely not the, the price action that I've been wanting in Fubo. But what do I want to sell it at? So looking at the chart, Spencer, I see two previous uh, you know, peaks in the chart. The first one was in December of 2020. It got all the way up to $62. I'm going to kind of dis I'm going to disregard that one because I you know it looked like I don't know if there was like a short squeeze there or something but the stock went up a lot and then dropped down a lot uh, really quickly. And then about a month or two later it got back up to $52 um and, and you know tested those highs again before coming back down. And we've talked about it before, Spencer, that there's a lot of studies showing out there that typically stocks do have a tendency to at, at some point get back to their previous uh, highs. Um, so I would be looking to sell this at around $50, um, but maybe I would take some profits on the way up from there, considering I've, I've been in the red on this trade for a while. All right. You, you've already lost, lost the plot here on this, I'm afraid. I, like I said, I, I'm rooting for you, man. I hope it works out. Uh, knowing this market, it probably will. Uh, but, but, um, good luck seriously, uh, because it seems like you have changed your mind on this one several times in terms of what you bought it for versus what you're doing with it now. And, and, uh, stocks don't have to go back to all time highs. Just, just, just remember that they don't have to, they, I think they typically do, um, (laughs) so Solar up saying, are you still heavily invested in? I, I would never say I was heavily invested in private prisons. I threw out, um, what was it? Core Civic, ticker CVX, I think. No, it's yeah. Chevron. Uh, there, there, was, there was a trade, to, there was a prison trade to be made when Biden got elected, I think, because uh, they the, the thinking was he was going to meet, uh, the Geo Group, right, is, is the big one. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, Geo and Core Civic are the two biggest ones, yeah, and yeah, there were there were there was thoughts that they were going to outlaw you know private prisons or whatever, and then Biden kind of came out and said, I basically just said uh, from a value perspective, Luke and I were going through different companies, yeah, um, that that was one that I had seen like thrown around Reddit and stuff that like, hey, the balance sheet looks very strong on this, oh, um, strong balance sheet uh, on a prison company, great. Great. Yeah, exactly. Um, but actually, when I pointed that out, the stock went from about eight dollars to not when I pointed out, but after I pointed out, it went from about eight dollars up to uh, around twelve. It is now trading lower from there back to around the range when I like first brought it up here. But honestly, Solar Up, I don't even think I was ever in that trade. Yeah, um, I, it was just something that I talked can, about. Can I say yeah. like, the one trade I made that I where I felt so dirty uh, after the fact, and I had to like sell my stock like a couple of days later because I felt so bad about it. Uh, it was last year. I bought, uh, what was the ticker? Uh, SCI. I think I mentioned this before. Service Corp International. Oh, man, I should have held it. Do, do you know what this company does? No clue. They're a leading provider of funeral homes. Oh, uh, did you did you buy it as like a COVID play? Yeah. Oh, wow. Was that that's, that's grim. That's grim, Spencer. Is that grim? But wait, so the stock crashed when everything else did and got down here. But I'm surprised. I guess it took a little bit for buyers to come in oh, for that whole... I, I bought it like... um. This was like in the spring. This was after the bottom. I bought it... Um. Wait, wait, wait. You're talking... That's this spring. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Uh, Yeah, I know. I bought it... Oh, God. It was so volatile. I, I don't know. I bought it somewhere in this vicinity. And then I lost... I sort of like three days later. Because I was like, I, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> this is like so bad. Yeah, that's how I feel. Anytime, uh, you know, I think there was a point um, over, uh, you know, where, where 
oil and gas companies were actually getting like undervalued yeah. and all, and you know, th there's always cyclical flows, right? Like all the money is going to go into growth and green energy until um, a lot of those assets are overpriced and overbought. And then a lot of the other energy stocks, the oil and gas ones yeah. get oversold and undervalued. And that was kind of pointed out to me by a few, uh, you know, traders that I, I, I take their, uh, you know, opinions, not lightly, you know, guys like Gene Munster, yeah. Um, and people like that are like, actually oil and gas is like getting pretty cheap. Like it should be valued a little higher. And I, I got into some of those trades and then within like a month, I was like, I, I can't do this. I can't, yeah. uh, you know, I can't be invested into oil and gas. Well, right and now. to be clear, there is nothing wrong with funeral homes. They provide a, a valuable service There's nothing wrong with that or even like investing in them at all. But I like specifically bought this for a trade once it became evident that like COVID was going to be really, really bad. And, and that, you know, if you want to do that, great. I, I, but my conscience caught up to me, and I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. So, uh, anyway, that, that's my quick story on, on SCI. Real fast, before our first guest, AB, I want to do a crypto update here. All right, uh, it is uh, mostly red here on the screen. Bitcoin down one point six percent, ETH down, call it one point five percent. More green than red. Let's go to the Bitcoin chart here. Uh, you know what though? Today's candle doesn't actually look that terrible, right? If if you can see there, uh, the 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 lower wick is 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 huge, right? It means we're well off the low of the day. Uh, so this is actually not like the, I mean we we did break below whatever kind of support that was. What what is that? Forty forty two called the high forty twos, but we're right back there now. So. Um, you know, buying the dip has worked for today, at least in Bitcoin. Not so much this week, but certainly for today. Um, but we are we are below that range from a couple of days ago. Ethereum, kind of the same story, right? These charts are identical. Um, but the the difference is that uh, actually, no, there really is no there's no difference here. But Ethereum, same story, right at right at support around the three thousand dollar area. I wanted to talk about sushi sushi swap as well, AB. I don't know if if you saw this one, um, but this thing uh, has gotten creamed uh, past how many days is that? Past week, past week, gotten creamed uh, from sixteen to to below ten. Now we're at ten twenty now, and then so I, I wanted to bring that up because it is. Uh, uh, there's a reason why I wanted to bring this up, and I forget why. Was it like the worst performer of the day? No, it wasn't what it was. Uh, I forget why. I think I, I I think I saw this yesterday, and it, uh, that that bar stood out to me. And then Avalanche. I don't know if you're watching Avalanche. Uh, tip of the hat to anyone who has the stomach for this, because this thing is is really moving. It is it is your best performing crypto, at least on Coin Market Cap uh, of the last month, I think. But it's in that within that month, you've had multiple days of like serious serious pain. So. Hats off to, I mean, like, look at today in Avalanche, right? Where we are on our way to to regaining all of yesterday's losses. Uh, so if this is you, tip of the hat, I can't stomach this, but but um, this is what crypto is for, right? It is for volatile stuff, and that's what that's what that's what this is. Uh, if anything, Bitcoin and ETH have have. Uh, gone correlation straight to the overall market to the stock market here. Right, uh, like like these charts, maybe not like all the way back here, but if, if you look at the last couple of days in Bitcoin, 
this correlates to, to the stock market. So, yeah, I mean, so much for that being a hedge. But um, I'm still long Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, not Cardano, Solana. Um, yeah, AB, and, and you're still long as well. Yeah, I mean, I I am holding strong my Ethereum right now. Um, kind of same thing I was talking about with Fubo. If it continues to drop, I might uh, average my cost in at a lower price. But um, I, I think we're at a, at a pretty you know significant line in the sand right here, Spencer. With Ethereum, I think we'll either uh, you know see it hold these levels and bounce again, or if it continues to fall, we could see it drop all the way down to that twenty six hundred dollar range. The only thing I'm sort of stuck in now is like. Do I want to buy more? That's sort of my only question is do, do I or do I not want to buy more? I don't actually even know where my cost base is. You know what? I have a bone to pick. Um, when I opened my crypto account, whatever, a year ago, whenever I did that, um, I just picked Coinbase because I, frankly, I just picked out of the hat. And uh, you can't see your cost bases on Coinbase. What's up with that? I, I don't actually remember where I bought. I think I bought Ethereum around here. Honestly, um, so so anyway, I don't really know where I, where I bought it. But my point was, do I buy more or, or do I not? I don't have a very large exposure. I have a very minimal exposure to crypto. I've got, I think I threw, like, between all my cryptos, I, I my cost base is probably like, I don't know. I think I threw probably like three four thousand dollars in it. So not not a ton. But do I want to buy more here or do I not? Ab, I think we'll wait, Spencer. I think we'll wait. Um you know, to see what happens throughout the rest of this week. Okay. You say, wait, ha- happy says you can, or maybe I just don't know how to use Coinbase, but I, I swear I've looked at Coinbase and you, you, you can't see your whatever moving on. I don't care. Um, okay. Crypto update brought to you by Voyager. Everyone get $50 in Bitcoin for free. Download the Voyager app, fund it with hundred dollars, make your first trade, use the code Zing. That's Z I N G. And that'll get you, in free Bitcoin. Okay. Uh, Our first guest is not here, AB. I know. I'm I'm doing some reaching out right now to make sure everything is. AB is doing some reaching out. Our 1230 guest I see in the green room or the blue room. I don't know what color the room is, but our 1230 guest is here. Uh, so we're looking forward to talking with Richard McPherson at 1230 uh, and waiting for Ideonomics uh, CRO Chief Revenue Officer Kristen Helsel at um, at now, uh, whenever she I, I want to talk to her because I'm, I'm, I really want to get her take on like what she thinks goes on with like their stock because I don't I, IDEX is one of the most widely held stocks on Robinhood and I I just want, want her take on that. Um, because I don't really, not that I have anything against the company, but I, you know, it's it's a seemingly random random company to be uh, so widely held. So uh, we'd love to get Kristen on if she if she wants to join us today. And then if not, we're going to be uh, moving right along. Uh, one thing I want to get mentioned also before I forgot before it got away from me is if you look at like a like a, a heat map today or. Uh, Whatever a, a, a watch list, and, and you know, let me show you what I'm talking about. Okay, I put up a watch list today of like overall market, right? Every sector, every major index, every of the five largest stocks, it's all green, right? But that doesn't tell the whole story because this doesn't account for um, 
how we've really behaved from the open. This only really accounts for how we've behaved from yesterday's close. So all that being said, I pull up a chart of the SPY, and my 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 take here on the on the whole market is whatever happens from three thirty to four o'clock today is is the direction I think we're, we're going to go in. So if we ri- if we basically if we sell off into the close, I'm I'm short term bearish. I'm bearish for the week. I'm bearish for the rest of the month. Um, maybe even into October. If we don't sell off until the close, and we actually hold these gains, then color me bullish for the week, bullish for September, bullish for the rest of the year. Um, but I, I do think it's important. That I don't. I still have no idea what happened into the close yesterday. If anyone has any ideas, uh, I know there is some some talk about some 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 options buying, but but that rally into the close yesterday was, was something, something fierce. And my take is whatever happens in the last half hour of the day, that's where I stand. I don't know if you have a take on that. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm working with, uh, I, or ideomics, IR team trying to get, uh, get Kristen on. Um, well, no, no, Roger says she's too busy for us. She's too busy counting our money. That may be true. No, Roger, that may be true. We've, we've been blown off before. I've been blown off many times. I've done, Many many interviews I've hosted, many shows for Benzinga, and I've been blown off more times than I uh, than I than I care to count. So it wouldn't be the first time, and it probably won't be the last. I want a uh, to do a quick survey in the chat. A one, if you are Jay Rice says it's not a cut to call. Okay, Jay, I want to do a survey in the chat. One, if you're uh, let's call it through the end of the month, through the end of September. Do we close September in the spy higher or lower than four thirty six, where we, which is where we are right now? One if we close higher, two if we close lower. That's what I want to know. One if you're bullish, two if you're bearish. That's what I got to know. Because so far, I mean, we, yeah, we gave back a nice chunk of gains in the 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 throughout the pre market and in, and and for the first hour of today. But it's been a nice rally from the, in the last hour and a half. I'm seeing oh, I'm seeing mixes. I'm seeing I'm mostly ones. Some twos though, one and a half and Cal. You can't be both. Actually, you can. All right, it looks like it's split fifty-fifty. Cameron Dole, what, 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 what is three? What does three mean? Three wasn't even on the menu. I will remind you all. I do have an active bet with Joel Elkanen that we will see a new all-time high at, at some point before the end of the year. It's an active bet. I gave him amazing odds. I gave him like five to one odds that we're going to get a new all-time high at some point between now and the end of the year. Um, so unchanged. That's what. All right, one point five means unchanged. Wow, that's a lukewarm take if I've ever heard one. All right, fine, Cameron. Cameron Knowles betting on unch for the next nine days. Have fun with that one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, well, let's go to the scanner, Benzinga Pro. Uh, we got a couple minutes before our, our guest here. Uh, see what jumps out to us. And again, this is why I love looking at movers from the open, not from the close, because from the close, I'm sorry, from the, yeah, from the close, the move is distorted by whatever happened overnight. And I want to know what's volatile from the open. Discovery, D-I-S-C-B. This thing is a, it's a high flyer, super volatile. This, this is the one that does crazy things, right? It's not liquid at all. Forget that. I don't want to look at that stock. It's no, it's no liquidity. 
huge spreads. Forget that. Um, what else jumps out to me? Upside or downside? Uh, nothing really. Oh, my gosh. Again with the Dutch Brothers? Guys, have you seen this stock? Look at this stock. Look at this coffee company. I got to know where... Uh, I'm going to ask Richard if he's ever had this when he comes on. This Dutch Brothers coffee, they must be the... They must have the best coffee in the world. $54. Uh, it was trading lower at one point today, too. I know. So can, you came can't back. stop it. Um, no, uh, Tim, Ideomics will be on. We do have our guest here. So, Spencer, without further ado. All right. Let's get, let's get Kristen on. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Hey. Hey! Nice intro, Aaron Bree. Thank you. We made yeah. How's it going, Kristen? Thank you for joining us on on Benzinga's Power Hour today. Thank you for taking time out of your uh, you know busy Tuesday to join us. Thrilled to be here. Hi, guys. Um, so go ahead, AB. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, Kristen, real quick before uh, you know we get into some specific questions about um, the company. You just want to give a brief overview of Ideonomics for our audience that some of, some of the uh, audience may not be familiar. Sure. We're uh, publicly traded on NASDAQ under IDEX, headquartered in uh, New York City, and uh, really in the fleet uh, electrification business. So uh, we've uh, put together a company that's really focused on this transition from internal combustion engines to fleet electrification, and we're doing it on a global basis. Uh, Kristen, I know you you guys don't necessarily control this, but do you have any idea as to why your stock is so volatile and so so loved, so widely held among retail investors? I I think it's uh, our leader Alf Poor who has been uh, you know who really I think resonates with the retail investor community, and I think you know he's been putting his vision out there and uh, has been really heavily supported, which is something we really love. You, I think Alex does a lot of investing. You, you guys do a lot of investing in, in other in smaller EV companies. Can you tell us about sort of like that that process? What do you look for when you're because I imagine your thought process is, should not is not that or should not be that be dissimilar to my thought process when I'm looking at like an EV company that I want to buy a stock in or whatever, right? So like, what is your thought process behind some like your your investments? Sure, we look for three things tech that we really believe in, that we think is transformational and will also hold up in the future. So that's really the very first thing. Okay. We also look for companies that have referenceable customers. We're not we're not necessarily talking uh, to a lot of people who haven't you know, really thought through the product and gotten it deployed. And then we're looking for a strong leadership team because you know, we work with those teams to grow these companies and we wanna make sure that all those pieces are in place. And so when you look at the acquisitions we've made, like Wave, our inductive charging company, you know, it has a strong leadership team in place. It has a really strong CEO and Aaron Gilmore, a strong CTO, you know, a really strong leadership team below that. We have an electric tractor company, SelectTrack. And again, we put a, an industry leading tractor specialist, of Manny Iyer there to lead that team. And he's assembling an amazing group. So that's that's really how we go to market with these companies. And, and we really uh, are confident that that's going to be what makes them successful. I, what do you make of just the, the EV 
market environment. It's been a really, really wild year. I mean, really last year too, especially the back half of last year, EVs were so in favor and even the, you know, the first part of this year too. And, and a lot of that favor has come off, you know, in the last six, seven months. Has that impacted your business at all? This is a long-term play. I, I did EV infrastructure. Uh, I was with another company and we launched with the Leaf in 2010 and we thought the EV revolution was going to happen then. And, you know, flash forward, it's 2021. Yeah. It's still going to happen. I think people have to be patient. You know, it is going to take some time. This isn't going to be something that happens, you know, tomorrow or next week. But if you look over the next couple of years, I can already, you know, the vehicles are coming. The fleet vehicles are coming. The passenger vehicles are coming. This is a transition that we're going to make. It's, you know, going to, you know, not only take time, but you also have to think about the future. What's beyond what we have today in terms of charging? Where's the future going? And that's where products like Wave really fit in. Got it. Um, so, so Kristen, going back to, you know, the retail traders just being, um, you know, kind of enamored with the iDynamics stock. What, what do you think, you know, was the retail trader, was that kind of the reason behind the stocks, you know, rapid rise back in early February of 2020 up to $5? Um, or were there other factors kind of driving that stock price? I, I think there were a lot of things. I mean, I think that, you know, there was a lot of talk even then about an infrastructure package. There was, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, talk about the climate, you know, it, I mean, th it is going to be volatile, I think, for years to come. But we love, love, love our retail traders and, uh, are, you know, are excited about the support that they give Ideonomics, number one. But, you know, number two, we see a lot more, you know, of the larger companies coming in and looking at this space. And, you know, I think that uh, that may smooth things out in the next, I don't know, couple of years. But until then, say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You know, um, you know, it's going to be up and down. You know, the Biden infrastructure plan is on again, off again, on again, off again. And, you know, those kinds of things really affect the market. Uh, Ideonomics has uh, offices or subsidiary facility in China, correct? Um, I, I'm, I'm just curious how that's going. There is some subject of some some controversy last year. Uh, you had some, some short sellers uh, come out against you guys specifically for that facility. Uh, but not, but not, I'm not just referring to that. I'm referring to just like general geopolitical like stuff going on between the U.S. and China. So like, what can you update us on what's going on over there and, and, and how that's going? Yeah, we have a great leader, Larry Rong, who leads the China team. Uh, it's, you know, they're really doing a lot to finance like ride sharing EVs. And, you know, they're really in the EV space as well. And while, you know, that is a part of our business, the majority of our business is in North America right now okay. and uh, a little bit in Europe and, of course, Asia, where we have our tree electric bikes. So, you know, it's you know, we see ourselves now as a global global company with a presence in China. And when you say your business, you're really you're, you mean just B2B EV infrastructure type type things, electrification of, of fleets, et cetera, et cetera. 
B2B EV infrastructure, but also the things we've announced like via the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, class two to class six uh, skateboard technology deliver, you know, last mile and mid mile delivery uh, van that we, uh, you know, just uh, invested in. Now that that's a deal we've signed that's not closed yet, but we're very excited about that product. You know, Energica, which is actually making motorcycles and selling them around the world. You know, that's another, I mean, so we we not only have the if a customer comes to us we certainly have the infrastructure technology but we also have the vehicle knowledge and technology and we're uniting that around things like energy storage and renewables so that when somebody comes to us and says how am i going to trans you know how am i going to move from my internal combustion engine how do i move my fleet to uh, transport you know electrified transportation we can provide the solution start to finish and that's where we really think not only you know our vision about you know the infrastructure but that glue holding it together that's where we think we're really differentiated and and where we're going to make it easy for a customer to make that transition we can help them do that there there's some questions from our chat actually ab if i could just jump in for for one second and maybe we will have to get alfon uh rahul but there's some questions from our chat uh about there's a few here that i i can't i can't get to all of them here let's just do this one from, from Anthony um, regarding revenue. Uh, do, do you have uh, some a, a timeline on guidance as to when you when you guys project revenue? Yeah, I'm certainly not going to give any guidance about the future. But okay. you know, we've had uh, two of the be- well, the two best quarters we've ever had in Q1 and Q2. And while we do think that this is an up and down situation, you know, we're, we're I think on a you know a very good glide path. All of our uh, individual businesses, especially in the mobility side, are doing really well. You know, today we just took a big PO for our Wave subsidiary, so we're very excited about what the future brings. And you know, think that. As this market opens up, we're going to be at the forefront of it. Um, and then I'm seeing another question in the chat about contracts. Um, so, you know, you mentioned the the Biden administration earlier. You're currently working um, on trying to get any government contracts to try to, like, transform some some of these fleets to electric vehicles or anything like that? We certainly are. I mean, we work on contracts at the national level. We're certainly working at the state level. We're working with individual utilities. You know, we're responding to RFPs for, you know, infrastructure and charging projects. You know, we just responded to an RFP where we're sort of uniting our mobility and our in our capital side, where we're saying that we'll not only put in the transportation, but do it as a service. So in in this particular case, it's a huge municipality where they're looking at trying to electrify all of their fleets. So we would put in the charging infrastructure and then use our mobility side or our capital side to offer that as a service so that the, the municipality doesn't have to pay for it all at once. They can pay for it on a monthly payment. Got it. That's exciting. Last yeah. one um, from the chat and we'll wrap up today. Um, is Ideonomics done kind of raising money, at least in the short term? You know, uh, we have a lot of cash in the bank and uh, we our plan is to put that to good use around all of the, the businesses that I just mentioned. And, you know, we're really excited about what the future is, but we always keep an eye out on, on what's coming next and never take our eye off that ball. Got it. All right, Kristen. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy Tuesday to join us on the Benzinga Power Hour. Um, we'd love to have you or Alf or you and Alf both on together, you know, in the future, anytime the company has some exciting updates. That'd be great. This is a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Of course. Enjoy the rest of your day.
All right, uh, we're running behind. We got to get our next guest on. He's here. He's been here. Richard McPherson, the CEO of ME2C. Let's get Richard in. You know what? Let's just call him ME2C because that's what that's that's the that's his name up on the screen. Richard, how are we doing today? Excellent, thank you. Uh, okay, before I get to um, uh, what you guys do and and, and all that, uh, there was there was a headline this morning, Richard. Uh, tell us what the headline said, and, and but more importantly, what it means. So um, the headline made notice of a new settlement agreement, a licensing agreement that we had with a utility, um, and it's one of many that we expect to come down the pipe in the next while. Um, as we move forward to monetize the IP position that we have across the U.S. Um, with folks that are utilizing our technologies. So just to back up for a second, ME2C, what you guys do, as I understand it, is you provide a technology for um, coal-fired uh, power plants to safely dispose of mercury, mercury emissions. Is that, is that right? That's pretty accurate. Yes, that's yeah. accurate. Okay. So what what is the market for that like right now? Looks very good, actually. Um, uh, unusually expected, the uh, output of coal-fired plants is rising considerably this year and expected to stay up uh, as compared to the last few years um, for the next few years. That's mainly because of the increase in uh, natural gas and the folks running coal plants more than were expected. For us, that means that there's lots of emissions to be captured, um, and that's why we're busier this year uh, than in previous years. So, so how much of uh, of the electricity in the U.S. do you know that comes from coal? It's about 23 to 24 percent this year, expected to stay that way over the next three to five. What about longer? Uh, expected to stay that way that way into the future, probably for the next five to ten years. However. It's more difficult to project that. What you'll see is some consolidation of some of the smaller plants and the larger plants staying open after these smaller plants are shuttered to pick up the uh, amount of output that's necessary to stay in that 23, 24% range of the total grid output. At this point, yes, where our core business is in the capturing of mercury emissions from coal-fired plants. So okay. that is our main business. We expect it to stay strong because of this output that's underway now. Are there any new regulations that anyone in the space should know about? I know things are always changing uh, with regards to environmental emissions and the like. Any any new regulations that that investors should should perhaps know about in this space? Uh, no, at this time it's pretty much um, uh, in stone. The regulations are very tough. Um, they don't look to be going anywhere, so it ex and everybody's up to speed meeting them. So it's pretty much expected that things will stay as they are for the foreseeable future. Uh, and do you have so right now you uh, me two uh, C uh, you guys co basically collect uh, mercury emissions? Are there plans to broaden that to other uh, other other types of uh, environmental? Uh, emissions. Yeah, for um, actually, our strength and our skill set is in a field called chemisorption. Okay, that's, that's the know-how that led us to um, be able to create and introduce this technology across the fleet, which uh, a, a very significant part of the fleet utilize 
our technology. So over the past couple of years, while we've backed up and tried to, from an IP point of view, monetize all of the adoption that's taken place, we, we also started to focus on wastewater remediation and the extraction of rare earth elements from the coal ash um, side of the uh, power plant industry. And we've been very active in that and are working and making some great progress in, in that field. Richard McPherson is the CEO of ME2C Environmental. Again, uh, any company that, that tries to uh, uh, make the environment better, good in my book. <laughs> so uh, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, thanks a lot for joining us on the Power Hour today. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right. All right. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Former CEO of Octagon Asset Management, Mead. Um, before we talk about it, I'd like to stand on and all the good work you're doing there. I got to get your thoughts on this market. Where are you right now? I, 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 on the end of the world or things are better than ever scale? Where are you? That's a very good question. I think the, um, the market is obviously very frothy. Uh, we actually don't trade equities. We focus okay. on trade finance and okay. commodity finance. We finance producers, processors, exporters, importers of all sorts of different goods with a uh, distinct focus on physical bulk commodities. So in our world, things are, are roaring. It's just a phenomenal time right now, largely because there's a lack of liquidity by the banks. So these companies are starved for financing in order to make the trades happen. But the demand for global trade is, is just booming. And as I'm sure you've seen with the freight markets being with what's going on, it's just the congestion, the, the amount of activity is just extraordinary. So these are very unusual times. So for us, despite what's happening in the equity markets and in the fixed income markets, we've got a, a tremendous opportunity ahead of us right now. All, all I've seen here then is the pictures of the port of Los Angeles. And it's, yeah. it's like a traffic jam. It's crazy. A it, container, one container, the cost of bringing that container from China to the United States West Coast, meaning the Long Beach, LA area, yeah, a year ago is about fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars. Today, it's as high as twenty-five thousand dollars, and they say, it's "Wow, so, so it's just crazy." So, so how does this get fixed? Because we all know supply, every supply chains broke, right? Every this economy is shut down and they reopened. It was a whole thing, but we're, we've now been reopened. Most of the global economy has been reopened for the better part of the majority of this year, right? I mean, how do these continued supply chain problems, do they just fix themselves? Well, you have to understand that the, the pandemic has cycles, right? So we've seen it taper. Okay. And we've also seen it surge back up. We've seen that happen in China and Thailand, Malaysia, uh, you know, all throughout Southeast Asia. So while things have calmed down here, um, although you can argue that they're on the upswing again, uh, we've seen a, a number of ports shut down in China. So that's just contributed to the backlog and, and the issues. So um, you've got ports that are operating at half capacity because of COVID restrictions and separation requirements. Okay. Uh, you know, there are a number of different factors. It'll take probably a good three to six months to, to get to some point where it starts clearing. But we could see these kind of congested uh, logistics issues uh, sustained for another six to even 12 months. I'm afraid to say. Six to 12 months? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, 
what 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 do you think like our audience is mostly retail investors that trade stocks and stuff do you think there are any opportunities out there to kind of um play this problem that's out there right now you know there there are different ways to play it i mean as an example we finance uh, bulk commodities but with the with the pandemic um when everyone had to go onto home arrest is what i call it uh, gym shut down right and so the demand for fitness equipment went through the roof. So we saw, um, you know, issues where you could not find dumbbells at any stores. If you wanted to buy dumbbells or kettlebells or, you know, uh, Olympic weights, you just couldn't find them on the shelves of any of the big retailers. So we got behind a fitness equipment company. It was actually a startup called True Grit Fitness. And they went from zero to almost 100 million in sales in the span of about eight to 12 months. Just incredible. So there are ways, if you think about it, what's the, 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 the ebbing and flowing of the market? You know, we're, we're kind of tracking things. Cycles always occur. So when, when you have a shortage of supply, parties will come in to, to fill that shortage. And what that'll translate to is eventually an oversupply. So you want to kind of, if you're a trader and you're following the market, you're going to have no, no trend is a straight line, right? You don't have the markets go up in a perfectly perfect uh straight line. It's usually an up and down um, kind of cycle. So you, you just have to follow things and, and track kind of where overbuying is happening, you know, where a shortage occurs and kind of try to take a contrarian view. I'm very much about you know, the markets are very efficient, but they don't think too far ahead. And so if you're, you know, if you're a contrarian, you'll end up, I think, doing well. That's why relative value trading and, and pairs trading makes a lot of sense. If you, if you understand that, that's worth a a show on itself. Um, I could not agree more. Me, we've talked about Paris trading and relationship trading more times than I than, than I can count. So uh, I'm still caught up on your previous comment, though six to six to twelve months. So that 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 obviously includes this holiday season, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's out the window, right? Uh, the, the, the stores, all the big box retailers are having a very difficult time getting the product on the shelves. So we're going to see price inflation. There's no question about it because the, the the suppliers can't sustain this kind of uh, freight cost. They can't eat that. So they're not passing it on. And so that's going to be passed on to the consumers. So we're likely to see uh, inflation really rear its ugly head. We're seeing it already, but I think it's going to be even further uh, exacerbated over the next three to six months. So okay. look at inflationary trades, right? So since you you said it, not me. So I, I want to bring up inflation just for a second. And I know this is a really, really, really hard question. How much of the inflation that we're seeing is just a result of messed up supply chains that will naturally fix itself, as you say, in the next six to 12 months? Well, the problem is once it goes up, it's hard to kind of deflate it because when companies get used to charging a high rate, they want to continue to do so. Right. So uh, we have two things. We've got obviously the, the, the price inflation on on the goods and the logistics, but you also have labor costs, uh, inflation where companies and uh, restaurants, they just can't get the, the employees in. Nobody wants to work. And so in order to get them in, they're having to pay a higher wage to draw the employees. And that's, again, it's a hard thing to reset lower. So um, we're in a very unusual situation that could be um, contributor to tremendous volatility over the next 12 months. So I would be, you know, be, be smart about how you play your cards. Um, here's another, maybe a, a maybe a dumber question, but how do I, as a consumer, is there any way for me to like help things get 
do I just not to not shop online? I just have to like, <laughs> like, like, how do I help the situation? How can we all help the situation here? Well, an easy one is pray. <laughs> I will pray. We need all the help we can get. Uh, but I think, um, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. I think if you, uh, that's a, it's a, it's a question I need, need to give more thought to. to okay, to that's fair. That's fair. Mead, I want to ask you about uh, a leg to stand on. Uh, tell us about that. Tell us the work that you're doing there. Sure. So I'd like to stand on is a nonprofit uh, registered 501c3 based in New York City. We've been around for almost 20 years. Uh, we have one objective, and that is to help children in developing countries that have limb disabilities. So these are children that were born without arms or legs, or they were born with deformed arms and legs, or they might have had a, a, a cancer that led to an amputation, or it might have been a traumatic accident which led to an amputation or a, a you know a severely disabled limb. We go in and we provide free corrective surgery and artificial limbs from the ages of birth until 18 years old. And in fact, we actually have exceeded that up to 21 in certain cases. But uh, we we operate in in um, many different countries, and we have project partners that are located in these countries that we have vetted out. We help provide the limb kits and the other resources they need, including capital if they need it, in order to provide these services. Is this all over the world, or is it is it mostly in certain continents? Well, it's it's all over the world. We're just uh, we're demand based, so so project partners will hear about us and come to us and say we have a need for helping you know these 150 or 300 children, whatever it is. Yeah, we'll go and do an on-site due diligence to vet them out to make sure they're a real organization that they've got experience. Uh, that they're credible, that they're properly registered and licensed, that they um, have policies and procedures in place that, that ensure that the treatments are being done the right way. Uh, we just can't afford to get involved with any organization that's that's kind of cutting corners or likely to get in trouble. Um, because for us, there's no, no upside in that. So we do as much due diligence on a project partner as we do on a company that we fund out of Octagon. Um, but uh, the goal is really to develop a long-term partnership where we are the the fuel that goes into their engine to provide the services. And there's accountability. So each, each uh, program partner will give us their budget and their list of children that they want to help. And we will allocate a certain amount of uh, product to them. Product meaning limb kits. We have a Joshi limb kit where we've designed our own prosthetic limb that we have manufactured at a very, very low cost. And we deliver those to the project partner um, as a donation in kind. We also donate wheelchairs and other types of mobility aids. Um, so we get, for each patient, we get a in, patient intake form with a before picture and after picture and all the invoices to make sure that the work that was said would be done was done. Uh, how can people get involved? So there are all sorts of ways to get involved. We have our website, which you've got up there, uh, the domain name is is uh, the acronym for a leg to stand on.org. So it's ALTSO.org. You can go there and you can obviously donate money. You can donate your time if you have ideas. We're, we would love people to uh, hold, host events. Um, it's a great way to, to, to expose your children to how lucky they are to have all their limb uh, faculties and the, the ability to, to play sports and to run and to to work and to walk to school and to ride bicycles. So um, we, we're very open in terms of how people want to support us. If you have ideas on uh, hosting an event, we have events of our own. We have our biggest of the year called Rocktoberfest on October 21st. It's going to be a virtual event. Our 
our technology partners at OCC, they're hosting this, which is a, basically like an online conference or an online event. They're fantastic. We just had our first last year, and it was a tremendous success. We encourage you to come out and check it out. But um, if you go to our website, you can see how you can donate or, or contribute. And we, we, um, we're, not, we're not greedy. We'll take any help we can get. So our goal is just to help as many children as we can every year. So, Mead, I'm, I'm curious about, I guess, the kind of connection um, coming from a finance background uh, into a leg to stand on. And how do you try to kind of connect, you know, your contacts in the finance industry uh, to this charitable cause? It's a good question. So um, at Octagon, we do the vast majority of our work in emerging markets. So I'm traveling down to Latin America, Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe, Africa. And you can't help but to see these children. You know, they just don't have the ambulatory services or the health systems like we have in the West. So they're not getting treated. And you can't help but have your heart go out to them. You see that they're already battling a, a very, you know, large mountain to climb in, in, if they're based in, in emerging countries. So if they don't have their limbs, they're actually um, treated very poorly. In many cases, children can be abandoned or, or orphaned because the parents view the child with a disability as a, as a, as a black mark. And so they're embarrassed by it. They think it's a bad kind of omen. So they, they don't want to have that exposure and don't want to be uh, deemed to be a sinful family because they had a, a child with a disability. So for us, it's a very important thing to be able to give back. And this is the way that we can do that. And how we connect the dots with our, our um, kind of peers in the industry is I'm a, a closet musician. I play the drums and the guitar and I work also late hours because we have Asia starting at, you know, when we close down. And so in my office in New York, I had a drum set and guitars and uh, PA systems and in uh, a bar. And we would have people over after hours to jam. And I used to have investors come in. In fact, the way we started our first band called the subscribers is that one of um, our investors at Lazard Asset Management came in to interview us and conduct due diligence they saw all the musical equipment, and after we were done doing all the, 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 the you know, shop talk, um, a comment was made about, you know, I play guitar. Why don't we get together and jam? So we started getting together, and uh, this gentleman's name was Chris Heisman, and we'd come over, and we'd uh, play some songs, and we laughed about our, our, lack of, our, our lack of skills and how much we wanted to improve. And the idea came up about why not uh, host an event where we play in front of an audience of our peers to raise money for a leg stand up. So we rented out the bar at the Chelsea Hotel in uh, New York City, and we sent out emails to all of our closest friends in the hedge fund world, and we had a sellout crowd. And after the show, people came up and said, you know, that was amazing. And uh, I play in a band, or I'm a drummer, I'm a bass player, I play the kazoo, and and, um, you know, soon enough, we had all these people expressing interest to get behind us. So we ended up having our first event called Hedge Fund Rocktoberfest at the Planet Hollywood in Times Square. And again, we had a sellout crowd and people had a tremendous time. And it's just sort of taken on a life of its own. So it's been a lot of fun to see that the industry kind of get behind this. So so last year, uh, you know, the Rocktoberfest, you mentioned you had to bring it virtual um, this year again, you know, doing virtual. So you is are you performing with your band as as part of the Rocktoberfest? I am not this year, but we've got great bands that have been involved, uh, the Also All Stars and Cause, and all these great bands that have been with us for you know many many years. In some cases, since the very first show. So uh, it's the the demand to be in the the program is so great 
that it becomes a competition. Whoever can raise the most money gets the seat at the table. And the top five are sort of let in. And then between them, whoever raises the most money gets to pick their play slot in the, during the night. So um, I've kind of decided I'd let all the these huge stars perform and, and not really bore everyone with my musical talents or lack thereof, I should say. Uh, we we have someone on the Benzinga team, uh, Brent Slava, who he's he's kind of a closet DJ. So he does, um, you know. So if you if you want to mix it up from rock and have a nice DJ set in there, let me know. We can arrange that. Um, and then so I also wanted to ask about the uh, you know kind of there's like a, a game, right? A stock picking game involved in the in the Rocktoberfest this year. Yeah, um, we have these, uh, and this is it's a way to raise money. It's uh, a fantastic organization that we work with that, that um, is essentially allows you to, to uh, pick stocks and the ones that do the best will win and it provides a donation to a leg to stand on. So it's, um, uh, it's kind of a fun activity for those that are involved. You can go on our website. If you look at the event, I think you're on it right now. You're, you're scrolling through the, the sponsors, um, but you can learn more about the, the, the show and all the different kind of uh, features that we're offering. I'd encourage you to go to a leg to stand on and click on Rocktoberfest in the top banner, which you, where, where you're at right now. Yep. Um, yeah. So you can click here, see all the different bands that are, um, you know, participating. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think this is great because I think in the finance world, um, maybe, you know, some companies or funds could be doing a little bit more on the charitable side. So I think it's great to see someone kind of take initiative and, and use those contacts to try to, um, you know, raise some money for, for a very good cause. Yep. Well, we appreciate the support. It's a fun night. It's an opportunity to see some some people that normally wear uh, their pinstripe suits and, uh, you know, they, they, they strip the suits off and put on the guitar. And it's pretty amazing to see how good the, these bands are. So I, I can't uh, encourage you strongly enough to come out and watch the show on October 21st. Yeah, well, we're excited for it. I know. Keep me apprised of what's going on with the the competition, the stock picking game, because I know uh, we here at Benzinga want to offer, you know, help kind of beef up the prize. I think we're going to offer a quarter, three free months uh, free of Benzinga Pro, which is about, uh, you know, a four hundred dollar value. Um, so, so we're excited to participate as well. Yeah, I mean, we're grateful to Benzinga. You guys are fantastic. Uh, appreciate you having us on and uh, sharing the word about the organization and the, the event. So thank you very much. And, and the, so well, let me get this straight. So it's a virtual event. Um, but I know maybe like next year, once it's in person, there's going to be one in New York, London, and Chicago. Yep. We've had them in uh, those three locations, but with the pandemic, we had to obviously move to a more benign um, venue, which is online. We actually were, uh, really surprised about how well that the, the event went last year and, and the praise that we got back from all the attendees was super. So we're excited for a good uh, online event this year. It's safe and, and it's fun because you can have watch parties and you can do it from home and interact with the uh, events. So you can shout out while the event's going on and everybody sees what you're saying. So you actually get a chance to network and, and um, you know, have your words shared with the world out there become a little celebrity yourself uh, this way, which is not as easy to do when you're at uh, Planet Hollywood or Hard Rock Cafe or wherever we're having it. So uh, 
Beautiful. All right, Meeble, thank you for coming on the Benzinga Power Hour today. We're looking forward to their October vest. I'm dropping that link in the chat one more time for our audience to go out there and check it out. Yeah, and, and we look forward to having you on again in the future, kind of to talk, you know, maybe maybe again as the uh, conference uh, or event is getting ready to ramp up. Um, but yeah, thank you for taking time out of your Tuesday to join us. Yeah, thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Spectre. Appreciate right. it. Thanks a lot, man. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.